Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Appreciate you making the time as we give attention to and perhaps even spark some conversation regarding items of economic and financial importance. Now, you know, as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, we're talking on any number of subjects. We're going to do that again here today. We're going to be all over the place. We're going to be talking politics. We're going to be talking the kinds of things that you may want to think about with regards to your 401k. And probably we're going to well, we'll probably intersperse some fun things anecdotally as well. So make sure that you stay tuned for it. But in doing so, even as we're talking about specific investments and perhaps specific strategies, that in doing so, again, we do it in a general, uh, very, very much a broad-based kind of way, not intended as a specific recommendation for you. Put another way, we strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction. Main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address, a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you. Again, at northmainfinancial.com. All right, let's hop into it. We're going we're gonna to start out with, with, with the hot headlines. And I'm, I'm purposely using an alliteration. Sometimes that's a little bit catchy, right? Folks pay attention uh, to that kind of thing. We'd be hard-pressed. And, and maybe you can make an argument here that, uh, that this isn't as much focused on things market-wise. I would argue it does have an impact on us economically, maybe not immediately, but certainly in terms of what's coming next. And that has to do with all the chaos that was happening in D.C. this week, when for the first time in over 100 years, and actually the first time that it has ever happened by the majority party, where the Speaker of the House was removed. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was removed as the Speaker of the House. There was an interim uh, Speaker of the House uh, put in place. Uh, actually, Patrick McHenry from here in uh, the great state of North Carolina, who is the interim Speaker of the House. And again, you may say, well, what does that have to do with things economic and financial? Well, uh, those are the folks who are making the laws. And and, and so it, it wouldn't be uh, inappropriate for us to be uh, certainly paying attention to it. We do that a lot here at North Main Financial, the things that are happening in D.C. or whether they're happening in Raleigh or they're happening around the country so that we can understand what the impacts are, but but a big, big deal. So a lot of uncertainty, and I'm, and I'm mentioning that, A, because you may have seen it, but and it's a big deal. Certainly, it's a hot headline that we've seen here over the last several days. But then also with regards to, okay, then who is going to be the Speaker of the House and what does that mean in terms of pending and future legislation or other kinds of changes that may be blowing through uh, Congress here in, uh, in the relative near term? Don't know. Uh, we really don't know. There are a couple of folks who have already thrown their proverbial hat in the ring uh, who want to be considered for Speaker of the House, Steve Scalise, Representative Steve Scalise out of Louisiana, uh, Representative Jim Jordan out of Ohio have said fairly publicly that they want to be in the running. So those are certainly two names that are going to be out there. But who's it going to be? I don't know. By the way, anecdotal, uh, just in terms of how all these things go together. And and certainly there are a lot of things to keep in mind. You know, you don't need to be a member of the House of the Representatives technically to be the Speaker of the House. Kind of interesting, right? Kind, kind of. I mean, it, it doesn't happen, but it is it is actually technically possible for someone. So, Bill, if uh, producer Bill, if you're interested in being the Speaker of the House and you'd like to throw your name in the <laughs> in, in, in the ring, uh, I'm, you, I'm you, honestly just hoping that someone uh, 
another one of our hosts is now listening. At this <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> well, you see where I directed that to you right. because that host who shall remain nameless right. uh, for uh, for the for the current space, he might right. take me up on it. Uh, right. He might, might take me. He up actually on it. might not be bad at it either, he, which scares me. He, pro- he probably would be pretty good. He probably not, not that we're going to tell him that, but he probably would be pretty good. All right, so uh, so probably not not uh, producer Bill or, or or am I going to going to do that? But but it is anecdotally something to uh, to know and then. Certainly with regards to what's happening in the House, we're going to watch that. We're going to see what's going to happen in terms of who may move into that space. Does it affect the kinds of things which may be coming out of Congress here from a legislative standpoint? And certainly we're hyper-focused on those things which affect us economically. So uh, so kind of big uh, for uh, for this past week, certainly one of the hot headlines. Now, maybe a, a little less serious, and, and uh, Producer Bill, I'm coming back to you. Uh, you may have heard. Well, let me ask you this way. So I'm going to leave it as uh, as first an objective question. Are you a, are you a lottery player? Are you a Powerball player? Uh, do you have certain uh, you know if, if it gets to a certain dollar amount? Do you have any of those kinds of things? I, I do have a guardian angel who looks out for me, and my mom will buy me a lottery <laughs> ticket and, and slide it in uh, to a birthday, or or you know she'll just buy it just for one for everybody in the family. See, I love that. Now, yes. now she does it for special occasions, right. or or when the maybe when the uh, the pot she, gets she, up to a certain level. Yeah, so yeah. she'll probably get one today. For okay, sure. yeah, yeah. Well, that's where I'm if going. Not with last it. night. I was gonna say that's where I'm going with it because uh, yeah, as of the time of this, this live broadcast, or as of the time of this recording, if you happen to be listening to it, we had over a billion with a B uh, yesterday. Nobody won, uh, is my understanding in, in in the Powerball. Right. It, so it's go ahead. it's dangerous for me because I start already making my plans. You do. Right. Isn't about it what I'm going to do. do. Yeah. We, we all do. Yeah. I mean, it's, even it, if I don't, even if like a close friend wins, I'm already like, man, I already know. I'll set you up. I'll make sure you get to your appointment. So, so we say that. I mean, I mean, yeah. who, who needs a billion? Right. right. I mean, if, if if you actually win, I mean, you don't need all that money. I mean, you, right. could, you could spare a couple of million here sure. uh, to uh, do that. I think that's what good friends do. Exactly. Uh, for, uh, for the, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Richard, clip this. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody listen out there, 844-STUDIO-4, if you happen to win the Powerball, you got to call in and. Uh, and, and let us know what you're going to do with it. And producer Bill and I would be more than happy to be your immediate friends and uh, to help you out with the uh, expenditure process of uh, yes. those funds. <laughs> and certainly you can call us at North Main Financial as well. Certainly we'd be love to help you out with that kind of thing. But all right. So that, that, that joking aside there, so it's up over a billion. The, the, one of the reasons, again, just kind of an anecdotal idea, and it, it has to do uh, when you say, okay, this has modestly to do with things financial, but what really are we talking about here? Well, because of where interest rates have moved here over the last year and a half. If, if you're familiar with the lottery process at all, generally speaking, especially for the big ones, I'm talking about the Powerball and for a lot of the big ones as well. When you, uh, if you are the winner, if you are the lucky winner of, uh, of the big jackpot, you have two options. Primarily, you can take either a cash payout, meaning that you can get one really large check, which by the way, is always substantially less than what is advertised. We'll talk about that in just a, a few moments in terms of the details on that. Or you could take what's called an annuity payout. And what that annuity payout is, which is usually the number that's quoted, is an estimation of the total number of dollars which would be paid out over the course of your lifetime or over the course of approximately 30 years. Not that everybody's life expectancy is 30 years, but that's generally speaking how it's calculated or how that number is calculated, the advertised number. So right now, the number for Powerball, I think is at $1.4 billion for Saturday. That's yeah, that's yeah, that sounds that's, right. That's, that's about right, Bill. So about approximately $1.4 billion, but that's the annuity value. 
value if you would choose an annual installment over the course of about 30 years. If you would take the cash payout, and this is really why I'm raising it with regards to interest rates, because this is actually how the calculation goes together, you would get approximately 46% of that figure. So you wouldn't receive $1.4 billion in a cash out. You would actually receive approximately, let's say, a little less than half. All right, so we're, we're going to be in the neighborhood of five, fifty, six hundred million. So again, we're still talking about some pretty large numbers here. But then remember, if you take that cash payout, you got to pay your taxes all at once too. So let's just take half of that off the top. So we'll, we'll just make the numbers easy. 1.4, slightly less than half, let's say 600 million-ish plus, and, uh, and then you got to pay taxes. So that's 50%. So now we're down to 300 million. Bill, the numbers are getting tight. Uh, here, you know, we, we, we talked about a billion. Now we're down to 300 million. Yeah, I don't, actually That's... don't know if I would be able to share with any of my friends now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. There might not be enough to go. I mean, 300 million, you got to right. watch your P's and Q's. Right. I mean, not, now we're talking about utility right. bills. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, but, you know, making sure that we can uh, fill the car with. No, we're not, of course, <laughs> in, uh, in doing that. But it is kind of interesting in terms of how the calculation goes together. And I'm raising the cash out option from the lottery. And I know this is anecdotal, but it, it's important to understand how these things go together. It, the cash out option actually is at the lowest point percentage wise that it has been ever, meaning in terms of how it's uh, determined from a percentage standpoint, meaning generally speaking, when you see the big number, if you want to take the cash out before you pay taxes, it usually is between 50, 55, 60% of what of whatever that of whatever that number is, and uh, and certainly if it was going to be larger than that, uh, we would we would certainly pay attention to it. So, all right. Well, I think we're going to take uh, take some time out here, yeah, to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Hello, and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the into the second quarter football reference. I, I, I got to take a few seconds to talk about football, and 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 I do so uh, because I think this is when uh, producer Bill we prove our value as fans when it, when it comes to our beloved Panthers. Um, it, it's um, it's early. Right, I mean, I, I, can we, it is early. We we can keep saying it's early until we're we're over the halfway point of the season. Right? Exactly. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of like it's going to you know, take as long as it takes. It, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a coach. You, right. you, you sound like it's going to take as long I'm as what it Frank takes. Frank wants to say it's yeah. uh, that's exactly right. It, um, it, it it's been a challenging start to the year. We got a young team. All right. 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 Okay. I mean, I think that's that that's an appropriate way for us to say it. New opportunities this week uh, to uh, to to push forward in in a different direction, and that's correct. What we're going to be doing here as fans, so yeah. we'll pr- we'll probably bemoan the Panthers a little bit uh, even more here as we work our way through the show. But appreciate so much <laughs> you hanging with us into the second uh, second quarter here. And that, as we were talking about before we went to break, there we were getting carried away. I mean, producer Bill and I, we were thinking about what we were going to do with the uh, uh, with the dollars we were going to win from the Powerball. I know he was thinking about uh, the purchase price for the Baltimore Orioles. I was and, halfway uh, to Ed Watkins Marine. <laughs> yeah, he's got some really nice boats sitting out there too. So you you could, you could probably buy a couple or two or three oh, with yeah. uh, with yep. uh, with three hundred million. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyhow, but it's kind of interesting stuff again with where interest rates are and how those kinds of things are calculated to uh, to see because we we are in a higher interest rate environment and the assumption is and that's why the the cash payout is lower. The assumption is when we talk about discount rates or how we how we compute well what are called present uh, cash values or, or the um, the cash out option when it comes to annuitized payments. Uh, when you have a higher interest rate involved, the cash you receive up front is lower. 
because there's an assumption that you're going to make a higher amount over the course of the life of what would have been that annuity. So kind of an interesting dynamic that uh, that, that we're seeing right now. You know that. This, this would be a nice pivot. You know that if you've ever taken a look at a cash-out option from a pension or if you've taken a cash-out option from, uh, say, some other kind of annuity-style contract where you get a present cash value or you, or you get a lump sum up front, uh, the higher the interest rate, the lower the, the payout is going to be. So that's why for a lot of these years, for the last 15 years or so, uh, some of those calculations have been wonderful because you've been able to receive much higher payouts or cash sum, or, or um, cash value or lump sum options for those kinds of things, whether it was a pension uh, buyout or an annuitization buyout uh, for those kinds of things. And now it's very different. Now with interest rates at a significantly higher space than what they have been, definitely a different kind of uh, different kind of experience. So if you'd like to talk about that, if you'd like to talk about how those calculations go together, feel free to call us in the studio here, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. I know, you got to dial the numbers. We're, 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 you know, we're not like... We're not, we're not trying to do a text message. You, you got to actually dial. I mean, you got you to gotta be involved in the process. You got to invest in it, right? 844-STUDIO-4. Again, 844-788-3464 here in the studio. All right, we're continuing on the hot headlines here. And uh, again, I think it's important for us to, to be talking about the kinds of things that are happening around us economically, because certainly they're going, they have, and they will continue to impact us. We're going to talk about the strikes. And when I talk about the strikes, I'm talking about two big ones right now. One that has been with us now for a couple of weeks, and then one which which literally just started today. First one is the UAW, United Auto Workers out of Detroit, big three automakers. Uh, we got GM, we got Ford, we got Stellantis, which for those of you who are a little bit older like I am, uh, that's the old Dodge Chrysler uh, Corporation and uh, entering week three. And now they've, they've approached the strike process a little bit differently than previous strikes have been when there was more of a mass walkout. This has been more of a rolling kind of walkout, meaning that not every plant went on strike immediately. Uh, but there has been uh, some indication that there's going there are going to be additional plants which are going to go offline and additional workers who are going to walk out. So we're going to watch that. There supposedly is going to be an announcement actually here tomorrow about the possibility for additional plants to be going on strike. But we're entering week three, so it's it, it's a big deal. And uh, by most estimations in terms of what has been lost to this point, about a quarter of a billion dollars uh, in productivity, 250 million-ish uh, in, uh, in lost productivity and lost production uh, from the uh, strike. So a very, very big deal. And we're certainly watching that because cars affect all of us. I mean, whether you're buying a, a General Motors or a Ford product or a Stellantis product or not, certainly the availability of them affects pricing. Uh, we saw that especially during the pandemic when we had very, very low inventories and we were looking at think crazy things like people paying you know, substantially over asking price for vehicles, not only due to inventory, but due to, due to computer chip shortages. So it definitely has an impact in terms of, uh, of how we live our lives. Second big one uh, in, in the strike department. And again, it has to do with the size in terms of the size, why it's on my radar screen and also uh, because of how it affects us in terms of how we live our lives. And that has to do with the Kaiser Permanente uh, strike that's happening primarily on the West Coast. Uh, so about six states where Kaiser uh, operates medical facilities, doctor's offices, hospitals, uh, urgent care facilities, about 75,000 folks walked off the job uh, here. When I say walked off the job, I mean went on strike here today, uh, literally as of the time of this live broadcast or as of the time of this recording. The anticipation is that they're going to be on strike for about three days. 
So Kaiser has been very quick to uh, implement and try to fill gaps so that critical care needs for hospitals, urgent care facilities continues to be met. But they have also told folks that you can expect certain facilities to be closed down either early or closed down until the strike is over. So a very, very big deal. And again, it comes from union workers who are requesting higher wages and uh, and then uh, Kaiser Permanente also wanting to uh, counterbalance that. And, and we haven't come to a resolution yet. So very, very big deal, uh, especially if you're on the West Coast. We have some here on the East Coast, but it's primarily concentrated on the West Coast and in the Midwest areas when you look at Kaiser facilities. So uh, so we're watching that as well. Again, definitely one of the hot headlines that's, uh, that's sitting out there. And certainly as we're thinking about what's going to come now. Next. All right. So let's keep moving here on, uh, on on the hot headline end of things. And a lot's happening around us right now. We're going to talk about the markets here uh, as we get a little bit later on in the program. I know that's a big deal and we're, we're definitely going to get into it uh, here. And that's a little bit of a teaser. I want you to hang around. We're going to be talking markets because we've had some significant shifts here this past week. So I'm going to want you to hang around as we get into the third and fourth segments here, because uh, there, there, there's a lot that's happening, especially when we look at the bond market, interest rates, and what that means for us. But I'm going to touch on student debt. You've heard me talk a lot about the fact that federal student debt is coming back online in terms of the obligation for folks who have federal student debt to start making payments again. There's been a a, uh, deferral and uh, and we have not, uh, for folks who have federal student loan debt, have not had to make payments or had interest accruals here for over three years. So it's been a long time. And, uh, and now we, we are back online, meaning we, in, in terms of this country, now being back online and requiring those payments to be made for folks who have federal student debt. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of anecdotal things. First, in terms of the amount of federal student debt out there, uh, Bill, do you have any idea? You want to you fire one into the, uh, into the dark in, in terms of just how much federal student debt there is sitting out there right now? And, I, and I'll tee you up. It's a big number. It's uh, is it a, a a few jackpots, a few Powerball? <laughs> it's 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 more than a few. Oh wow! Uh, I mean, it really is. Actually, instead of uh, one billion, like is we, it a, is it a yeah, the t- other letter? Yeah, well, oh, wow. we we go to T with a trillion, and it's actually more than one. Uh, meaning it's 1.7 oh, yeah, I can't, trillion. I can't even visualize I, this I, number. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, how many zeros goes into that? Right. I mean, I, it's 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 uh, it's literally the largest uh, spot of consumer debt. It's more than credit cards, more than mortgages, more than auto loans. It is the largest point of consumer debt in the country. Eesh. And it's, yeah, so it's huge. So when we look at that coming back online and you think about it, I mean, think about your mortgage, even if you don't have federal student loan debt, let's say that for whatever reason, you didn't have to pay your mortgage for three years. And now your mortgage is coming back online and you go start paying it again. It's hard for most folks to reintegrate that back into their budget. And I think we're going to see that. I think, and, you know, it's not that I'm saying the sky's falling or that, you know, the, the economy is going to collapse. I'm not saying anything like that, but I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a shift in spending. And it's specifically, you hear me talk about this a lot here on dollars and cents. When we look at the consumer, the consumer is between two thirds and three quarters of our economy, meaning we are a spending economy. We are a consumption-based economy by and large. You take a significant chunk of that out of the equation. And by by most measures, and, and I've been looking at really generalized figures here, but you're looking at three, four, five hundred million dollars, even as I've seen estimates as much as a billion dollars being taken out of our economy because of stu- uh, federal student loan payments. You're talking about a huge number. And that those dollars right now are being spent somewhere else. 
they're being, as, I mean, we're not saving. I mean, I wish we were. I wish I could say, you know what? We're saving it in bank accounts and, you know, we got it ready to go here and we're just, we're just going to refire the engine and use the money that we have in savings. We're not. We're spending it. We're, we, we are spending and we're not spending it on things that carry value. We are spending on things that we consume. So we're not buying real estate generally. We're not even buying automobiles, which don't carry value very well, but they carry some value for a little while. Uh, what we're doing is we're buying things like iPhones, concert tickets, Probably baseball game tickets. Probably going to watch uh, you know teams like the Orioles, uh, which I know is producer Bill's favorite, uh, which he would say is a worthwhile investment. So I really Correct. can't ask. Yeah, yeah I can't <laughs> ask him that question. But uh, when we're looking at where those dollars are being spent, they're they're being spent on consumer uh, things that are consumed, and so we're we're not maintaining value with those dollars. So now we're going to go from a space where where folks are consuming in certain areas and certainly powering the uh, the economy. I mean, they're, maybe they're buying iPhones. I mean, certainly it looks like that could be the case with those kinds of dollars. What happens when they stop doing that? Or when because they need to divert those dollars in different directions? That's a big, big deal. It's it's going to affect us as an economy. Now, again, I, I don't see the kinds of things where I think that the economy is going to slow down or crash or anything like that. But it is going to affect us. And there are certain parts of the economy which are going to change. I mean, we're going to, we're going to see things that just aren't being consumed as fast because those dollars are going to pay uh, towards that debt. So, uh, so that's one of the things that's real big on our radar screen. We're going to be watching that here over the next several months. We haven't seen the effects yet. We're just getting back into it. We're just starting in terms of where things are right now. But uh, but it is definitely on our radar screen because, again, we're a consumer-based economy. So what's that going to mean for us? All right, I'm going to tease you up a little bit here. In the third quarter, when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about a little bit of a different segment. But it's it's, it's going to be entitled Things You Need to Know. And when I say things you need to know, talking about things financial, specifically perhaps to your space, maybe to your space that's in the future, maybe it's in your space in the past, maybe it's your space today. Not specific recommendations, but they're going to be things you need to know. We're going to be talking about 401ks. 401ks, those kinds of retirement plans you have with employers, doesn't apply to everybody, but it applies to a lot of you. So we're going to be talking about that as we get into the third quarter here. So as we as we hear from our sponsors and as we take a, a little bit of a breather here, why don't you be thinking about that? 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. If you'd like to give us a buzz here in the studio, we're going to be talking 401k in the third quarter. Stay with us. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half here. Second half football reference. Well, you got to be a fan right now. If you're if you're a fan like I am of uh, of our Carolina Panthers, you got you got to be a fan right now. It's easy when when things are going well. Right? I mean, it wasn't all that long ago, Producer Bill. I mean, we, we had a 15-1 and one season, and I saw a lot of fans appear right. during, d- during that season, right? Exactly. Yep. I mean, and, and I'm not sure where those folks are right now. I don't see as many <laughs> right, of them. Right, exactly. They're not quite as loud. Yeah, yeah. So, but, I mean, we got a lot of folks on the other side, though, pretty loud in, ter- yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. Uh, questioning. You know, I've seen it from the Orioles, right? If you, if you, That's true. If you, if you start from the bottom, you build a good foundation, you know, a couple years later, you can be in the mix. So. I completely agree. I completely agree. And, and it's hard because it is hard. We, 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 we live in an instant world right, right? have you uh, done for me lately that's it i mean i blame everything on the microwave if we if, if we <laughs> if, if the microwave just wouldn't have shown up uh we we would have much more patience but the microwave ruined everything went from waiting 40 minutes for uh, for dinner to get 40 seconds now it's uh so that ruined it forever no i'm just kidding well i may not be completely off with that just you might of, not be completely just, i've never thought about that that's great. So just just kind of keep that in the mind it could be that the, the microwave has ruined it for all of us and destroyed our, our sense of patience all right so we're in football we're in microwaves let's get to some financials i told you right before we went to
to break there. Going to be talking. This, this is the kind of things you need to know. It's it's one of the segments that uh, that we're going to plug and play here on dollars and cents. Kinds of things that it may be part of your experience, may not be part of your experience, but it is certainly something with which we deal very very frequently uh, here at North Main Financial when we're dealing with our clients. And so each week we're going to bring you something that's you know, maybe on your radar screen. And if it's not, hang around until next week. Probably going to have something that's that's going to be part of your financial life. 401ks though. And, and I'm going to lump a couple of things in here because 401ks are retirement accounts generally offered by employers at for-profit companies or for-profit entities. And I, and I distinguish that from nonprofit entities because for many nonprofit entities, they have retirement plans uh, that are usually go by 403B. And then if you work for a municipality or their governmental agency or sometimes also a nonprofit, you may even have something that sounds like 457 or 457. These are all sections of the Internal Revenue Code. I'm not going to get bogged down in them, but all of them describe different plans offered by employers to their employees. And so I'm talking about them because I'm going to talk about some real broad-based kinds of things here. And I got to caveat it again. What I'm talking about here may or may not apply to you. Nothing I'm talking about is in terms of recommendation, about whether you need to be involved. I am going to say you're going to need to be involved. But it's not the kind of thing where I'm saying about how you should be invested or what would be appropriate for you to invest. If you want to talk about it or if you have a specific question that you want to uh, call into the studio here, I'll try to work it in. I'm not going to speak into your specific situation, but if it's a general question about 401ks or employee retirement plans, 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464 here in the studio at WSIC. And again, let's so let's get a, just a broad base. Let's get some understanding on what it is. So 401k, we're talking about it, or, or an employer-offered plan. 401k is an opportunity through payroll deferral, so through your payroll, through your paycheck, to make an investment into a, an account designed for retirement. And you may have a whole collection of investment options inside of there, and you need to make some choices about how the funds are going to be invested inside of a plan like that. Now, you're going to have some conservative investments. You're going to have some aggressive investments. You're going to have some in the middle. In most instances, you may have a lot of choices. You may have few choices. But it's important to understand that in most instances, you are responsible. You, the account holder, are responsible for how that plan is invested. There are some plans that are out there where you can pay someone to monitor it for you, make those decisions for you. There are those kinds of options that we see here at North Main Financial. But it's it's generally speaking, you are responsible for it. So again, the 401k, generally speaking, opportunity for you to defer from your paycheck into a retirement plan, again, intended for your retirement. Now, uh, when we're looking at the structure of a 401k, it's different for every employer. Every single one has a little bit of nuance to it, a little bit of, of difference to it. One big item I want to point out to you, though, if your employer offers what's called sometimes a company match or a match provision, what does that mean? Generally speaking, and I'm going to be real casual here, it pays you to participate. It pays you to play. I mean, it literally gives you money to invest into the plant, meaning you put your money in, they will match up to a certain percentage or up to a certain dollar amount. I, I don't know of anything out there, frankly. I mean, there's nothing that we do at North Main Financial. I don't know of anything else that actually pays you to participate. It pays you to, to, uh, to pay into the plant. So it is an employee benefit that is offered by, sometimes by employers. Now, you may have a 401k that doesn't have a match. That's out there as well. But what I'm talking about here is if it has a match, and, and, th and this, is, this is something you really want to keep in mind. If it has a match, do your very, very best to take advantage of it, meaning it's paying you to play. So if you put in a dollar and they have a match uh, provision up to a certain uh, amount, 
they're, the, the employer's going to put in a dollar as well. That's 100% more than what you put in. It's a big, big deal. Now, they have caps on them. It's not unlimited. But if they do offer that match position, uh, provision, make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. That, again, there just aren't many things. Actually, when I'm thinking about my business, there's practically nothing that's out there that pays you or incentivizes you in that way financially to be a participant. So if it has a match provision, make sure that you're taking a look, and get, uh, look at that. That's the first big item that you want to keep in mind. Second big item, pay attention to your plan. We see this all the time at North Main Financial, and I, and I get it. People are busy. We're, we're up to our eyeballs in this all day with what we do, but I get it. People get busy or they're, they're not paying attention to it, and sometimes your plan balances can get skewed. You may be taking a whole lot more risk than you actually even know. Usually, folks don't understand how much risk they're taking until things get bad. That's usually, and say, oh my goodness, boy, things really pulled back here a lot. Yeah. And it would have been good for us to pay attention to that on the upside uh, as well. So, if you don't have an advisor or you're doing it yourself, make sure you're paying attention to it. We just passed the end of the third quarter here. You're going to get third quarter statements for, for just about every kind of plan that's out there, unless it gives you an annual statement. But most plans have quarterly statements. When you get that quarterly statement, take a look at it. And it may or may not be a reason for you to change anything. It may or may not be a reason for you to, to alter what your investment structure is or balances are, your asset allocation inside of your plan. But make sure you're at least in, in measured ways understanding where things are at that time. Because again, it's, it often can become, we see this a lot for folks as they get into their 50s and their 60s and they've been contributing to 401k plans for a long time. For many, many, many folks, it is the largest asset in their portfolio by a country mile. And that's very, very important, even more important to keep in mind. So you want to make sure that you understand what your asset allocation is. The first big thing, if you've got a match provision, take advantage of it. You want to make sure that uh, that you have the opportunity there. Second big item, you want to make sure what your asset allocation is. You want to make sure that you're balanced uh, inside of your plan. Third big item, and I'm especially speaking to our younger investors or our younger folks who are uh, participants in the plan. If you are not maximizing, meaning if you're not hitting the legal limit in terms of how much you're contributing to the plan, work to get to that point every single year. Now, I get it. We got budgets, right? We got young families. We've got, we got a, lot of, a lot of expenses. We got mortgages. We got car payments. We got, as we were talking about, student loan payments are coming back online. I get it. And it's really, really hard. I mean, I just had a meeting before I came in here talking with uh, with clients about saving for college and saving for retirement. They have a young daughter uh, in, uh, in in kindergarten. And so how do we save for college and save for retirement at the same time? I, I get it. It's really, really challenging to look at it. But make sure you don't forget one in the interest of the other because father time rolls on. And it's, it can be very difficult to make up that time later on if you're not doing even a little bit early on to allow for that compounding to take place over an extended period. So you want to make sure to keep that kind of stuff on your radar screen. So make sure that it's not an either or. Make sure that, when, especially for our younger folks, if you're not maximizing the contributions that you can make to those plans, take a little step every year, every, every single year. So if you're, at, if you're contributing 5%, and I'll just give you an example – if you're contributing 5% of your salary to your 401k or company retirement plan this year, next year, try to do 6%. It's not going to be a jumping into the boiling water kind of uh, idea from a budget standpoint. It should be the kind of thing that you're able to absorb. 
and do that each and every year. I sometimes see there are even automatic provisions in some of these plans that uh, that we watch at North Main Financial. There are even automatic provisions. You don't even need to do anything. You just tell them increase it by 1% every year, and the plan actually takes care of that for you. That's a great provision. I love that kind of thing because you don't even need to actively do it. It actually will do that automatically for you. But if you don't have that, and again, if you are below the, the maximum that you can contribute into the plan, just be very intentional about that because you can move from 5% to 8% to 10% of your income over the course of several years. And probably from a budget standpoint, you're barely going to miss it. Now, if you go from 5% to 15% overnight, yeah, you're going to feel that from, from a budget standpoint. But uh, but if you do, take the small steps and that also keeps you paying attention to your plan, understanding where you are, making sure that your investments are where they should be, understanding when markets are going well and markets aren't going as well, which by the way, anecdotally, if you think about it mathematically, especially when it comes to something like a 401k plan, it actually is great whenever the market goes down because you're continuing to contribute into the plan. Now you're buying more shares of a particular fund at a lower price. I know it seems a little bit counterintuitive, but it actually makes perfect sense. That's one of the reasons why I say to folks who have active plans to which they're contributing, boy, you know what? You should actually pray for a market downturn here periodically because it actually makes better sense for you in terms of what you're able to buy and buying at lower prices, which I think is what we want to do, right? Buy low, sell high. I think it's what we want to do whenever we're looking at this. So very, very big deal. So I appreciate your attention on this as we're looking at uh, 401ks, company retirement plans, you know, kinds of things that you need to know and that really I know touch so many of you in terms of your day-to-day. So we're going to continue to do this on a week-by-week basis, and I appreciate that. All right, we're going to take a couple seconds here to hear from our sponsors. We're going to be talking markets here in the next segment. I want you to hang with us. I know it's one of your favorite parts of the show. We're going to be talking more about it here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello, and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Dobie, thank you so much. Hang with us into the fourth quarter. I hope our Panthers are hanging in the in the fourth quarter uh, coming this week. We need, we, we, you got you to be optimistic. I mean, this, this is the time to be a fan. This is it. I mean, it is, it, otherwise, it's going to be like a couple years ago, producer Bill and I were talking about when the Panthers were 15 and one. Saw a lot of fans that I hadn't seen the previous year, and I'm pretty sure not around right now. So this this is it. This is uh, producer Bill talked about with 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 the Baltimore Orioles, his favorite team. You know, there there was there were some not very good times here several years ago, but they stuck to it. They 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 were um, uh, nurturing those players along, and now now they're in the. Now they're in the they're in the catbird seat. No, oh yeah, no, no 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 pun intended. Oh I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're there. So uh, so we're thinking the same thing for our Panthers. We got time. Indeed, we, we got, got time. It's early. It's early. It's early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> All, right. All right, football, and uh, you're, you're going to get that constantly here on Dollars and Cents, whether you like it or not, because we just love football season. But let's get into it. Fourth quarter here, and uh, and we were talking about a tease there right before we went to break. We're talking about the markets, and uh, we, we've seen some very interesting moves here in the last couple of weeks, and. You know me. I don't get too high on the high or too low on the lows when it comes to anything. So I'm certainly not going to extrapolate unnaturally. But definitely, it looks trend line wise, like we're shifting into a different gear. And I'm looking specifically at the bond market and at interest rates. You've heard me talk a lot here over the last year and a half about interest rates, about how they affect us, whether we're talking about mortgages, car loans, credit cards, all of those kinds of things, lines of credit, which have variable rates associated with them. And what we're starting to see and I'll call it a relatively painful kind of way because if, if you look at you know some of our bond funds that are out there, I'm looking at the biggest ones. So there at groups like American Funds and Fidelity and Vanguard, you look at some of those bonds or bond index funds, 
uh, especially if they're concentrated in U.S. government securities uh, or in treasuries. Um, rough, rough couple of weeks, I mean, from a valuation standpoint. And the reason for that is because we have seen on a relative basis significant increases in interest rate yields on the long end of the curve. All right, what am I talking about there? If you look at 20-year bonds, 30-year bonds, uh, you have seen a phenomenon here over the uh, the last couple of, well, not a couple of, let's, yeah, we're getting close to a couple of years. What am I saying here? So we're almost, almost two years where we have had the interest rate, the annual interest rate on 20 and 30-year bonds, which was lower than, uh, than interest rates on shorter-term bonds, two-year, five-year, 10-year, et cetera. And that's what we would call an inverted yield curve. Because what normally happens in a regular curve, right, we should have less interest paid per year if we have a shorter term bond. And if we lock up that money for a longer period of time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we should get more uh, interest per year because we're locking up our money for a longer period of time. Well, because of the the almost meteoric rise in interest rates here on a relative basis we've had over the last year and a half, we have had an inverted yield curve, which tends to be an indication of not very good things that are happening in our economy. And you can make an argument from an inflationary standpoint, other uh, parts of the economy which have slowed down, that's definitely been the case. Well, what has happened here over the last several weeks is we have seen, because of several different macro factors, we have seen significant percentage rate increases in the long end of the curve. So what that means is we're less inverted. Uh, we're still inverted, meaning we still have higher interest rates at the front end of the curve as opposed to the back end of the curve, meaning the longer maturity bonds. But boy, we're a lot closer to parity now. We're a lot closer to something that looks like a flat line instead of like an inverted curve. All right, so that's that's the academics. So for all you academics out there and and, and you econ, you know, 404 folks uh, that are out there, that's that's what we're describing. So what's that mean in terms of what's happening? Well, it's challenging. And, and I say it's challenging, again, as you know me, I, I'm not going to use the hyperbole that we hear on so much, uh, so many of our, our business news programs. But it, but it is challenging because it's happening so quickly. So we've actually seen a fairly measurable, it's it, it's not the kind of thing that's, that's seismic, but we're a fairly measurable pullback in the equity markets. And the reason for that is because we have a, a significant spike up in interest rates, you're, you're going to see concern about future earnings prospects for many publicly traded companies. And you could say, well, why hasn't that happened before now? Fair argument. Actually, I would say actually that it has been happening before now. And you say, well, the market indexes, they've looked great this year. Well, scrape beneath the surface a little bit uh, when you think that. I'm not disagreeing with you. S&P 500, NASDAQ Composite, even the Dow, uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, actually not true anymore, but up till a couple of weeks ago, fairly positive, especially NASDAQ, especially tech-heavy kinds of holdings, the tech um, sector, semiconductor sector. I mean, we, we saw a lot of positive gains and still do in a lot of ways. So even with this pullback, we're still seeing some fairly significant positive numbers, which is very interesting uh, anecdotally on the side to look at that. But when we're looking at the, the kinds of uh, numbers inside of our indexes, if you take the tech uh, technology numbers out, I mean, if you take the if you take the big tech companies out of the indexes, you can make an argument that we're actually masking a pretty notable bear market here. If you look at financials, you look at utilities, you look at some consumer staple. It's been uh, it's regional banks, man. It's been a miserable year, uh, pretty much across the board. And I'm talking about being down, you know, in the single digits to being down well over 20, 30, 40 percent. I, I was just looking at some numbers uh, for Target you know, here this past week. Yeah, tar that Target, the Target department store, down 30 percent 
off off of uh, off off the high. I mean, holy smokes, that's a huge amount of movement uh, for especially for a large, well-established retail entity. This is not a startup company of some kind that you know goes through boom bust cycles. And uh, you know, this, these are large, large entities, financials, miserable, uh, especially on the regional level. And that started yes back with the problems with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank there in the first quarter of this year, but. Boy, it's continuing. It's getting even worse. And, uh, and and so some of the questions we've had, especially looking at the markets, well, why aren't financials doing better? It's a legitimate question, and I don't have a legitimate answer for you right now. I understand what's happening. You know, they're having to pay out more in interest and, and, and in terms of what they're offering on their CDs than they're actually taking in on their loan portfolios because we've got a whole you know, basket full of mortgages out there. They're just paying three and 4% and their, you know, competition is paying 5% out on CD. So I, I get why in the short run, but in the long term, as they flip those portfolios, it should be a fairly beneficial kind of thing. But in the short run, it's been miserable. So you can make an argument that we've already had significant portions of a bear market or a negative market in many parts of our economy, even though the indexes haven't been reflective of that. And that's where I'm, I'm bringing the note of caution to you here. Again, it's, it's, I'm a glass half full generally kind of guy. I try to give my biases as quickly as we bump into them. But, uh, but I think it's important for us especially to keep in mind as we're seeing this yield curve try to, try to right-size itself. And uh, the, the challenges and why it's painful, if, especially if you have a, a bond fund or if you have a, frankly, if you have an equity portfolio here that's been more aggressive over the last several weeks where you've, been, you've really seen some negative performance. And, so, and I'm saying that not to think in a straight line saying, well, it's gone down here for a little bit. It's going to continue to go down. It's eventually going to go to zero. No, I'm not saying that. But I know folks think that way, but I don't see that at all. But what I do see is some right-sizing here because we've got some headwinds that, that are out there uh, in, in front of us. I mean, I, we talked about from a consumer spending standpoint in a previous segment about some concern about the consumer as we get into uh, student loan repayments firing back up. We're really watching the Christmas retail season. That tends to be uh, really a barometer uh, and and sometimes even a harbinger for things that, that, are, that are yet to happen because the consumer is such a huge portion of our economy. So we're really watching that closely to see be, uh, what the consumer is going to do with the Christmas retail season. And uh, and then we're watching things like, okay, what, what do financials do? What, uh, how are, how is capital moving through the markets. We're watching the real estate market. I, mean, I feel like I should be calling the chief, Justin, uh, to uh, to get to give some insight on that because, I mean, we I just looked at my first uh, HUD-1 statement here in a long time that had a mortgage rate on it that started with an eight. And and that's that's a big deal. So what does that mean for, for our, our real estate market, residential and commercial? You know, do things start to cool down? Because I had this conversation just before I came in here. You know, when we look at high interest rates, generally speaking, from an historical standpoint, as rates rise, generally speaking, the real estate market cools. What has countered that, especially here in, in the greater Charlotte region, I would say in most places in North Carolina, and certainly in our hotter markets, what has countered that or why prices haven't pulled back very much in some instances is because the inventory relative to the number of buyers has been so low. And so we haven't seen that happen yet. But where's the break point? Where's the break point where uh, buyers begin to really soften their, their demand uh, because of what the cost of capital is? It's out there. What is it? I have no idea. I mean, it definitely is out there. But it's, it's going to have to do in part with where mortgage rates begin to flatten out. And, uh, and, and I heard the chief, Justin, I heard him talk about that. He raised it in a rhetorical kind of sense. You know, is it possible this was several, uh, this was a couple weeks ago on Good Morning LKN, which by the way, Monday to Friday, seven to nine here on WSIC, uh, tune in, uh, great stuff. I mean, it's fun. 
he and producer Bill are, are, are great together, but they also are, are addressing some pretty serious things as well. So, uh, so he had raised that idea. He had raised that. You know, could, is it possible we could see a 10% mortgage rate? Well, anything's possible, certainly. Um, but I'll say that it's, it's more possible now than even it was a couple of weeks ago. Not saying it's going to get there. Uh, that's not what we're seeing at this point, but it's certainly more possible. Let's say the probabilities have increased here over the last couple of weeks in ways that even a couple of weeks ago weren't weren't as high on the probability screen. And so we're watching those things very closely because that will have an effect at some point in terms of how real estate is moving, meaning there is a, a point at which uh, the general buying public, if they have a choice, which not everybody does, which so it's not going to stop. But generally speaking, if they have a choice where they won't pay that expense, meaning the higher expense, if they don't have to do it. So we're really watching that kind of stuff very closely. So when we're looking at the markets now, we're looking at the fourth quarter. Uh, and by the way, we're in the fourth quarter. Isn't that crazy? I mean, not, not just the fourth quarter of this show. I'm talking about the fourth quarter of this year. I mean, here, here, here we are, uh, ready or not. As we're looking at the fourth quarter, though, we're pretty muted. There's possibility, maybe even probability, that we're going to get another interest rate hike from the Federal Reserve. However, with how the, the rate curve has moved this year, not, or this in the last couple of weeks, not sure. Not sure if they're going to be as aggressive on it. It's going to be interesting to see. All right. Well, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Let's do a really fast recap here before we got to jump off. Uh, we looked at a lot of different things. We looked at things that are practical. 401k, do you have one with your employer? How are you managing it? Are you managing it? Make sure you're paying attention to that kind of thing if you're a participant. We looked at things with regards to you know the headlines that, that we see out there. A couple of strikes that are sitting out there. A couple of things that are hitting our radar screen in terms of the, of the employment market. What exactly is that going to mean for us as well? And then with regards to what we're seeing in the markets. Pay attention. It's going to be rocky. It has been rocky here over the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to watch it closely. Well, friends, as always, it has been a pleasure to be with you on this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Until the next time, I'll look forward to talking with you soon.